0: Shalom brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid of the Commandment Keepers Church. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. The title of today's lesson is Spiritual Hunger. Spiritual Hunger. Brothers and sisters, when the newness and excitement of the truth wears off, it takes a strong commitment to continue in growth after the thrill is gone away for many there's no real spiritual growth brothers and sisters so what does that mean that means that our spiritual condition will always depend on our hunger for the Most High God some of us are satisfied with just knowing about Sunday worship knowing about Christmas some of us are satisfied with just knowing who the Israelites are right this is a long this is a long road brothers and sisters imagine doing this for 10 years imagine doing this for 15 years that newness will wear off brothers and sisters and then what okay so follow us today we have a myriad of scriptures to help our brothers and sisters who may feel like they're in that rut where they're there now okay it may have been a year two years three years and Now you're not salivating for the word like you were once before, right? We understand. We've been there, okay? (laughs) We've done this, okay? Let's go to Romans, brothers and sisters, the 15th chapter in the fourth verse. Romans 15 and 4 reads, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Brothers and sisters, according to the text, the scriptures are the most High's gift of light in a dark world. They were written and documented for a purpose. Let us show you. Let us show you that Paul is telling you these scriptures were documented with a purpose in mind, okay? We're here at Romans, the 15th chapter in the fourth root, the fourth verse. And it reads, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. See that, brothers and sisters, the scriptures is what it's a manual of moral or spiritual learning. Right. It's old writings for new times it's a benevolent work to produce and strengthen hope okay so that's the whole purpose of the Bible a lot of people don't even know the purpose okay so we're going to take our time today I'll read that one more time and then we'll go on to Jeremiah the fifth chapter in the seventh verse we're at Romans the 15th chapter in the fourth verse and it reads For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Now, that's crystal clear, brothers and sisters. The Bible was written for our learning, for our instruction. Right. So I I really hope people are not just studying the scriptures as a scholar. Those who follow our Bible, because we do go into it on a scholarly level. But what I discovered is many people just want to be deep. (laughs) They want to just, you know, go to the to their family's house or, or whatever the case is to show they know more of the Bible. That is not the purpose of the Bible. The purpose of the Bible is for application. Okay, even Israelites. Okay, I know many Israelites, many who are just content. Being able to break down Daniel in Revelations. No application. No application. You know the scriptures. Guess what? The Most High is not looking for memorization. He's looking for demonstration. So it's that time, brothers and sisters. This is the time that we're in. A time where we're going to have to sustain through what? The Bible. Okay? Okay. Satan is going to look to wear out the saints. The the Roman Empire, the fourth beast, is going to look to wear down the saints. You have to stay hungry. Let's go to Jeremiah. We're going to go to Jeremiah, the fifth chapter, in the seventh verse. Jeremiah, the fifth chapter, the seventh verse, and it reads, How shall I pardon, pardon thee for this? Thy children have forsaken me and sworn by them that are no gods. When I had fed them to the full, they then committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops in the harlot houses. Brothers and sisters, I need you to closely examine this text because repeatedly the prophets addressed Israel's waywardness and unfaithfulness. Here it is again. Jeremiah, the prophet. Jeremiah, the fifth chapter in the seventh verse, and it reads, how shall I pardon thee for this? Thy children have forsaken me and sworn by them that are no gods. When I had fed them to the full, they then committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops in the harlot's houses. So according to the text, Israel has trouble being faithful to anything. See, we're willing to bend in any direction to gain advantage and to have our pleasure. That's the Bible saying this, okay? It said when we were fed to the full, that means when he provided everything that you would need. That's when we start to neglect the most time. We become lackadaisical, right? Because why? Everything is going well. See, Satan understands that. Satan understands that the time to get you Is when things are going well. Why? Because when you're struggling. (laughs) When you're down. When you're broken. The only thing you're looking for is the most high. But when things are going well. When the money is coming in. When the bills are paid. Right? When the relationships are going well. We start to do what? We start to wander off like sheep. Especially the children of Israel. I can't really hold a Gentile to this. Right? Because why? They're not God's people. Yes, they should follow the Bible. But it's an option for them. It's optional for them. For us, for Israel, this is not optional. This is mandated, okay? Let let us read that again. We're at Jeremiah, the fifth chapter, in the seventh verse. And it reads, How shall I pardon thee for this? Thy children have forsaken me, and sworn by them that are no God's. When I had fed them to the full, they then committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops in the harlot houses. So it's telling you, brothers and sisters, the children of Israel committed spiritual fornication, spiritual adultery. Right. It says we assembled ourselves by the troops or the droves in the harlot house. What's the harlot house? According to God, the harlot house is the church. (laughs) That's where you go to to commit uh, spiritual fornication. Why? Because you you don't follow no law. You're celebrating pagan holidays. You eat unclean foods, right? There is no law in the church. What law is there in the church? The Bible calls it the harlot house. Okay? I remember years ago, a sister came into the truth. We taught the sister. She became part of our church. And she wanted to know if she could still go to church on Sundays and keep the Sabbath. I'm like sister. (laughs) I mean, you could do that. You know, you're an adult, but the Most High would not be happy with that. Okay, for you to have this truth yet still go to Sunday worship, something is something's missing there. Okay, you you're trying to mix the truth with the church. Our people have to separate from that. Okay, you have to separate completely. You have to sever ties with Christianity. Okay? It's all the denominations, the Pentecostals, the Baptists, the non-denominationals, the Catholics. Because see, what happens is Christians, they try to distance themselves from Catholics, but they are Catholics. The word Catholic in itself means universal Christian. There's three things, according to the Catholic Church, that you must believe in order to be a Christian. What is that? Number one, the rapture. You must believe that You'll be raptured up into the sky, okay, before tribulation. Number two, you must believe in a virgin birth. That means you must believe that Christ didn't have a physical father, that the Holy Spirit got Mary pregnant. And number three, you must believe in the Trinity, which is the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all actually one. They're all actually on the same level. (laughs) They're all one, okay? See? Now, all Christians believe that. Not just the Catholics, all Christians believe those three core principles or those three core doctrines. And all of them are false. We need you to to examine it closely because the children of Israel are known for their unfaithfulness. Now, guess what? During this time in Jeremiah, we knew we were Israel and we were still being unfaithful. So I would be amiss, okay, if if I thought that because we know we're Israel now, that we're faithful to the most high. When we knew we were Israel back then and we're unfaithful, we knew and we had the land. So we had the land, we had the identity, and we were still unfaithful. So that means this stimulant of knowing that I'm Israel, <laughs> it only goes so far. Okay? It only goes so far. Listen, we're not following being an Israelite, okay? We're following the Israelite. That's Christ. So, whether I was an Israelite or not, okay? Follow the Israelite. Don't get caught up in this Israelite thing, okay? Get caught up in this Christ thing, trying to be Christ. Let's go to Jeremiah, the seventh chapter in the 24th verse. Jeremiah 7 and 24 reads, but they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart and went backward and not forward. I'm going to read that again, brothers and sisters. I'm at Jeremiah, the seventh chapter in the 24th verse, and it reads, But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart and went backwards and not forward. Brothers and sisters, the success designed to lead men to God often produces the opposite effect. You see, as a payment for the blessings he delivers, we customarily become careless and negligent. So as soon as, you know, things start to go well, (laughs) as soon as things start to go well, we become negligent. We begin to compromise. This is in our history. We began to feed our flesh. Go learn the history of our people every single time that we were fed to the full, that we, the provision was there. At that moment, we began to wander off. We began to wander off. I encourage you to go into the history because why Romans said, or Paul said, everything was written, was written for our learning. So if you're an Israelite, you need you need to go back and learn the history of how our people continued to operate against the Most High as He provided for us. It's easy to follow God when you need Him, when you think you need Him, right? When you're sick or somebody's sick or you're looking for a job, you lost your job, or they they looking for for your car because you ain't pay your note, right? It's easy to follow God then. What happens when he provides you with success? Let's talk about it. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter in the 12th verse. We're at 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter in the 12th verse, and it reads, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10 and 12. And it reads, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So, brothers and sisters, this is a warning against overconfidence. Okay? This is a constant call for self-examination. Paul is telling you, don't think you're a finished product, okay? We must not glory in our progress, because when you do that, that's where Satan wants you. That's exactly where the enemy wants you. Only thing you have to do is look at the people who would be deemed successful in this world, right? Look at these movie stars and these millionaires and all this stuff, right? These billionaires. Are they following God or do they become worse as they become more uh, famous? Or more quote-unquote successful. Exactly. Especially black people. Just look at it. Look at who we become when we have some level of success. We start getting into demonic stuff, right? Things that would be deemed evil unto the Most High. Illuminati, right? I really need you to take a step back. And examine the world. Those who are deemed successful. Are those the ones following the most high? Not to say you can't have success and follow the most high. But Satan understands that's when you're weak. That's when you're weak. When everything is going well, you're weak. Because you're really not stimulated. You're really not hungry. We're going to jump on top of that today, brothers and sisters. We're going to use the Bible. We're going to be proactive, understanding that years in this, brothers and sisters, you have to find something else. You have to find some other fuel other than just being an Israelite. That is going to run out. If it hasn't run its course yet, it will. Trust me, brothers and sisters. Okay? it's That's old to me. I'm past... That stage in my life. I still love that I'm Israel. Yeah. I'm appreciative of it. But that's old. Okay. Let's read that one more time. First Corinthians. The 10th chapter. In the 12th verse. And it reads. Wherefore. Let him that thinketh he standeth. Take heed. Lest he fall. So all. Even the most eminent are liable to fall, brothers and sisters. The more self-confident we are, the more likely we are to fall. He said those who think they stand. (laughs) See that, brothers and sisters? Because that's what happens. We, we learn a little bit about the pagan holidays, the unclean foods and all that. And then we believe we're finished. We're a finished product. I just don't eat unclean foods and I don't celebrate holidays. And and I'm good. I'm, I'm just waiting on the Messiah. That's the wrong attitude, brothers and sisters. Don't let the enemy rock you back to sleep like a lullaby. Because that's what happens. That is exactly what happens. Let us show you. Let's go to Romans. Romans the 7th chapter, the 21st through the 23rd word, uh, verse. Romans, the 7th chapter, in the 21st verse reads, I find then a law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. In bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members brothers and sisters this is Paul Romans the seventh chapter is probably one of the most I mean it is probably one of the deepest chapters in all of the in all of the manuscript where Paul was just keeping it real all the way real I want you to look at it again because Paul is telling you sin is always lurking nearby. And and the text magnifies the existence of an inward conflict. Let us take a look at it again. Let us take a look again. We're at Mm -hmm. Romans, the 7th chapter, the 21st through the 23rd verse. And it reads, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So here it is, brothers and sisters, Paul describes our struggle with what? Indwelling sin. There are two powers pulling us in polar opposite directions. And Paul was breaking that down. He was highlighting that. Let us read that one more time. Romans, the seventh chapter, the 21st verse, and it reads, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of my God, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man, my spirit, right? But I see another law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So Paul is telling you, listen, <laughs> your spirit wants to do right, <laughs> but the flesh is weak. Paul said, listen, <laughs> even when I do good, evil is present with me. How do I know? Because I have to actually make a decision to do the right thing. The fact that there's a decision to make lets me know. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's clear here, brothers and sisters, we will never be entirely free from this struggle until the Messiah comes back. This is Paul. This is the brother who wrote the Bible, majority of the Bible. So what about the brothers and sisters reading? it? You see this, brothers and sisters? So for us to. For us to overlook this would be a miscalculation for us to neglect this would would lead to destruction. It's guaranteed, brothers and sisters. Guaranteed. Let's go to 2nd Ezra. the 3rd chapter, the 21st through the 22nd verse. We're going to read verse 21 and 22. We're at 2nd Esdras, chapter 3, verse 21, and it reads, "For the first Adam, bearing a wicked heart, transgressed and was overcome." And so be all that are born of him. Thus infirmity was made permanent and the law also in thy heart of the people with the malignity of the root so that the good departed away and the evil abode still. Brothers and sisters, take a look at it again, because our struggle with sin is perennial, according to the text. Listen to this again. Second Ezra, the third chapter, the 21st verse, and it reads for the first Adam bearing a wicked heart transgressed and was overcome. And so be all they that are born of him. Thus infirmity was made permanent in the law. Also in the heart of the people with the malignity of the root so that the good departed away and the evil abode still. So it's clear. Brothers and sisters, we have an immutable inclination towards nefarious behavior because the text tells you that all all those who are born of Adam have a wicked heart, and that infirmity is permanent. So it doesn't matter how good you think you are. <laughs> okay, temptation is still there. You can still fall, and it's permanent. So our heart is a parasitic pathogen that affects everything like a virus. The author's telling us this, brothers and sisters. It's the heart, okay? Let's go to Galatians 5 and 16. Let's go to Galatians, brothers and sisters. We're going to read Galatians 5 and 16. We'll also read 17. Galatians 5 and 16 reads, This I say then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. I'm going to read that again, brothers and sisters. Galatians 5 and 16 reads, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Brothers and sisters, walking indicates progression or advancement. He said, Walk in the Spirit. So if we stop progressing, we're going to be overcome once again. Listen to it again, brothers and sisters. I'm at Galatians, the fifth chapter, the 16th verse, and it reads, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he's telling you, if you don't walk in the spirit, you will be overcome. Continual growth is the only way to overcome our strong appetites, brothers and sisters. It's the only way. Okay? It's just like eating, brothers and sisters. (laughs) If, if you say well listen I'm not going to eat uh, Meat for this week Well guess what You better put something in your stomach Or you're going to <laughs> You're going to fall So instead of meat let me replace that with You know a salad and some fruit But if you don't replace it with something You're going to fall That's clear Brothers and sisters it's a principle He said not only can you just Separate yourself from sin, but you have to do good. Because why? You can't focus on sin while you're focused on doing good. Now, if you separate yourself from sin, but do no good, idle hands, Satan will come in and you will fall. Let us read verse 17. Galatians 5 and 17 reads, For the flesh lusts against the spirit. In the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to another, so that she cannot do the things that she would. So the text tells you the flesh and the spirit are are opposite in their nature. They can they can never harmonize. So the the mind approves one thing, but the flesh strives for another. And that's key. That's clear, brothers and sisters. You will always have this battle. So the moment that you think, you know, well, listen, this is all I need. The law, you know, I know about the pork thing. And I know that we're the Israelites. And I know Christ was black and all that. And I know Christmas is pagan. That's it. I'm done. I, you know, I'm there. I'm just waiting. The moment that crosses your mind, you have lost this battle, brothers and sisters. You have become lackadaisical. You have lost your first love. You have to pursue this thing like when you was in high school and there was a girl that you, you know, that you were interested in. All that extra-ness, how she was just always on your mind, right? Well, can I hold your books? Can I walk you to your locker, right? (laughs) Can we sit together at lunch? Sisters, too. when When there was that brother that you was interested in as a young gal. And how he was always on your mind. You always wanted to be on the phone with him. So you have to find that. For the most high. The Bible tells you David was a man after God's heart. He was a man after God's heart. He pursued God the way we pursue. Uh, you know girlfriends and boyfriends back in the day. To so use that as your measurement. Use that. As your measurement tool. Okay. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus. In the Apocrypha. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus. The 33rd chapter. The 25th verse. And it reads. If thou set thy servant to labor. Thou shall find rest. But if thou let him go idle. He shall seek liberty. Mm. Listen to this again, brothers and sisters. We're at Ecclesiasticus, the 33rd chapter in the 25th verse. And it reads, If thou set thy servant to labor, thou shalt find rest. But if thou let him go idle, he shall seek liberty. So the text is telling us idleness is the devil's workshop. Brothers and sisters, the lack of spiritual activity will lead to sin. It will. Why? Because you're not active spiritually. You must be active. That's why Paul said, walk in the spirit, that you fulfill not the lust of the flesh. You have to find, you have to continue to move. You have to continue to grow. You have to continue to pursue the most high. You have to continue to pursue growth. Because if you don't, you will be caught. You will be caught by the enemy. I'm going to jump to verse 27. And we're at Ecclesiasticus, the 33rd chapter, the 27th verse. And it reads, send him to labor that he be not idle. For idleness teacheth much evil. Mm, 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 mm. I'm going to read those two scriptures again. Verse 25 and verse 27, both in the 33rd chapter. Of Ecclesiasticus of your apographer. Verse 25 reads. If thou, ser- if thou set thy servant to labor. Thou shalt find rest. But if thou let him go idle. He shall seek liberty. 27 reads. Send him to labor. That he be not idle. For idleness teacheth much evil. So be wary of spiritual idleness. Brothers and sisters, because the devil is all too eager to find things to stimulate you. Okay? Be careful with that idleness. Be careful because Satan, that's all he's looking for. Is a lack of growth, idleness. Because he got some things that stimulate you. Okay? The title of today's lesson, Spiritual Hunger, Brothers and Sisters. Spiritual hunger. Follow us to Romans, the eighth chapter in the first verse. Romans eight and one reads, there is therefore now no condemnation to them, which are in Christ who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I want you to look at how the verse is constructed, brothers and sisters, listen to this closely. Romans, the eighth chapter in the first verse, and it reads, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. According to the text, the only way to escape the flesh is to progress in righteousness. If we stop growing in righteousness, we will be subdued by the flesh. Look at what Paul is saying here. going to read that again. Romans the eighth chapter, the first verse, and it reads, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So if you're not progressing on the path to righteousness, you're in imminent danger, brothers and sisters. Okay. You are in imminent danger. You have to be careful. You have to be very, very careful during the last days. We're in Jacob's trouble. We're in the hour of temptation, brothers and sisters. Okay? Let's go to Proverbs 13 and 21. One of the most telling scriptures in all of the manuscript. Proverbs the 13th chapter in the 21st verse and it reads... Evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous, good shall be repaid. I'm going to read that again. The 21st verse in the 13th chapter of Proverbs reads, Evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous, good shall be repaid. So brothers and sisters, this expression indicates a search on the part of sin. I'm going to read that again. Proverbs 13 and one reads evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. So it's telling you that sin searches. Okay. Evil is rapacious in its gains. It hunts with, with the greatest veracity brothers and sisters is forever pursuant of us. According to the text. And if it's pursuing us, becoming stationary would be a mistake. See, if something is chasing you and you stop running, what happens? <laughs> See? Let's go to Ezekiel. I'm going to go to Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter in the 13th verse. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. Ezekiel 33 and 13 reads, when I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live, if he trust to his own righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be remembered. But for his iniquity that but for his iniquity that he committed, he shall die for. I'm going to read that again, brothers and sisters. Listen to this closely. Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter, the 13th verse, and it reads, When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live, if he trusts to his own righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be remembered. But for his iniquity that he have committed, he shall die for it. So this is a warning to never embrace that particular hazardous opinion that what I'm good. <laughs> okay. Trust in my own righteousness. What does that mean? People will sit back and say, well, I'm doing more right than wrong. Or they'll look at other people and say, well, I'm much further than them. They still celebrating Christmas. They still eating pork. This is what happens. Satan manipulates you to start measuring yourself against sinners and you look back and say, Well, I, I know I'm much better than them. They eating all types of unclean food. They go to church on Sunday and all that, right? <laughs> the Bible is telling you, Don't take don't take that opinion. Let us read that again. Ezekiel the 33rd chapter, the 13th verse, and it reads: When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live, if he trusts to his own righteousness and commit iniquity, All his righteousness shall shall not be remembered. But for his iniquity that that he hath committed, he shall die for it. So according to the text, it is sin to trust in your own righteous acts. As it stands, we are not sufficient to be justified, brothers and sisters, because this is what happens. You say, well, man, listen, I've changed so much. I've grown so much. I remember I was doing this and doing that and doing this. And I don't do those things no more. Okay. Continue to grow. Continue to go. Because if you fall back on that, Satan will subdue you again. You will be overcome again because why? You're looking at how much you change. Listen, Paul said, I forget what's behind me and strive to what's ahead. Because it doesn't matter how much you've changed. It matters that you have more changing to do. So when you start looking back as if I've accomplished or as if you've accomplished. While you're looking back and looking to the left and to the right, guess what? Satan is on your heels. Because you believe you've done, you, you're have you good enough. I'm good enough to get in. We are far, far from sanctification. Brothers and sisters, we're far. Okay. Let's go to Isaiah, the sixty-fourth chapter in the sixth verse. I need you to listen clearly, brothers and sisters. Isaiah 64 and 6 reads: But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities, like the wind have taken us away. This scripture is here to keep us humble, to keep us hungry, why? The scripture reads, but we are all as an unclean thing in all our righteousness are as filthy rags. See, it's our hunger for God That drives us to be passionate. Relentless pursuit of him. That's it brothers and sisters. Because it's telling you that. When you look at this filthy rag. It's talking about a menstrual rag. So it's saying all of our righteousness. Is as a menstrual cloth. See. So the righteousness that. You're counting that you think is righteousness. (laughs) Okay. Brothers and sisters. When there's a loss of. Excuse me, when there's a spiritual loss of appetite, we're in imminent danger, okay? You're in imminent danger. And that's key because when you're sick, you're not hungry, right? Remember when you got a cold or the flu, you really weren't hungry, were you? Exactly, because when you're sick, you tend to stop eating. You don't feel like eating, you don't feel like consuming. And that's clear. The, the moment you begin to no longer be hungry spiritually, the moment that transpires, you better do some self-examining and quickly. OK. The text tells us that we tend to operate as if we're finished products. We must. We must, brothers and sisters, redevelop our appetite for the most high God. We have to. We have to, brothers and sisters. I'm going to read this scripture one more time, and then we'll go to Romans. Isaiah, the 64th chapter in the sixth verse, and it reads. But we are all as an unclean thing in all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind. Have taken us away. It doesn't get any clearer than that. Brothers and sisters. It really doesn't. All this righteousness. That we think we have. (laughs) It's like a menstrual cloth. It's nothing. We're not righteous. We have no righteousness. Okay. We're far away from the goal. We have to continue to go. We have to continue to grow. Because if not. The enemy. Remember, the Most High told Cain, what? You know, listen. <laughs> Sin is at the door. Okay? Sin is at the door. Remember, he told Peter, what? What did he tell Peter? What did Christ tell Peter? Satan have desired to have thee, to sift thee like wheat. See? So Satan is looking back at us and saying, you know... <laughs> And brother, know he Israel and stay away from pork. But Satan is, he's harassing him. He's following him. He's stalking him. He's looking like, mm. Mm, mm, mm. I could really work him out. I could really work her out. See, that's how Satan's looking. As you continue to not grow because you believe you've grown enough. You're better than them. You're better than him. You know, I know more knowledge than my mom, my dad, my cousins and brothers. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Let's go to Romans, the third chapter, the 10th verse. Romans, the third chapter, in the 10th verse, and it reads, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not One. So according to the text, there is no room for anyone to claim they are good enough, brothers and sisters. Nobody, not one person deserves to be called righteous, including me. I'm going to read that again, brothers and sisters. Romans, the third chapter, the 10th verse, and it reads as it is written. There is none righteous. No, not one. So according to the author, all are deficient in righteousness. Brothers and sisters, righteousness is not something you obtain. It's something you pursue. See that? (laughs) You see? That is the mindset. Especially I'm talking to our brothers because how can you lead if you're not moving? See, a leader is always learning, is always growing, is always progressing, is always advancing, or else you're not a leader. See? And men are leaders in their household, up in, you know, up in their house. So if you don't continue to grow, you have to be studying more than the rest. You have to be in the book more than the rest, because why? How can you lead and you're not moving. And see, that's the problem. Because the Bible tells you, Eve was a helpmate. She was there to be led. Sisters naturally want to be led. They don't want to lead. It's outside of how God made them, right? But when men aren't moving, when men aren't leading, when men are stationary, what happens? What happens? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Now you got an enemy. Now you have somebody who's gonna do it themselves. Who's gonna wear the pants up in here now? Okay. Who's gonna be in control and be the decision maker? Why? Because the men aren't moving. The men aren't growing. The men aren't progressing. See, women are a helpmate. That means you must be doing something in which they can help with, or they'll take it over. Why? Because women were made for dominion, just like man, according to Genesis. He gave us both dominion. Right. So, yes, sisters should be growing also. Right. Because why? The children are following. Right. Even if there's no man. Listen, if you're a sister and you, you know, you're a single mother guess what? Then you have to become the priest up in your own house and pray for everything under your jurisdiction. Okay? Brothers, get moving. Start moving. Because you can't be mad when they don't submit to us while we're not moving. Let's go to Philippians. Philippians, the third chapter, we're going to read the 12th through the 14th verse Philippians 3 and 12 reads not as though I had already attained either were already perfect but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ look at this again brothers and sisters because according to Paul we must recognize that we have not arrived yet listen to it again Philippians 3 and 12 reads, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which I also am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth, Unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark. For the prize of the high calling. Of God in Christ. So brothers and sisters. Many have concluded. That we have already arrived. At where God wants us to be. <laughs> we think that God just wanted us to know about pork. And Christmas. And pagan Easter. And all these days. You, you think that's. <laughs> you think that is. The completion of your path. Even Paul knows he's not what he should be. And he wrote the majority of the Bible. I'm going to read his words again. Philippians, the third chapter, the 12th through the 14th verses. And it reads, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. So we must be intentional about our growth, brothers and sisters. Growth will not happen if we're haphazard about our spiritual life. I'm going to read 14 again. Philippians, the third chapter, the 14th verse reads, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. So, brothers and sisters, we must continue to pursue becoming more like Christ. OK. That's your pursuit. Not not knowing your Israel, <laughs> not knowing, you know, Not trying to be a theologian. Not to say it's anything wrong with, you know, being a scholar. There's nothing wrong with that. But the Bible wasn't given for you to become a scholar. The Bible was given so you could become a good person. (laughs) And I've discovered when Israelites find out they're Israelites, then they start flailing around and trying to go into all this information to make themselves look deep. While inside, while inside are filthy. See, you have to work your way from the inside out. That's how the Most High works. The Most High is not into memorization. He's into demonstration. And this lesson is for when you're by yourself, right? When you're away from other people, when you're in your privacy, that growth, that hunger. See, no one else can give you that hunger. We can't give you that hunger, brothers and sisters. We have to eat what's on our plate. Each man and woman must eat themselves, brothers and sisters, okay? (laughs) You must be hungry yourself. Our hunger, my hunger... Can't help another brother out, okay? It it doesn't work that way. So, this is once you've been in for a while, right? Once it gets old now to you, there has to be another stimuli somewhere that keeps you going. Because this is a marathon, brothers and sisters. It's a marathon. Let's go to Proverbs, the 21st chapter, the 21st verse, and it reads, He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-one reads, He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. So brothers and sisters, according to the text, righteousness is something that must be continually pursued. Let me read that again, just in case you missed it. Proverbs 21, 21 reads, he that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness and honor. So a reduction in spiritual appetite is the precursor to destruction, brothers and sisters. This is a lifelong, relentless pursuit. I remember in the you know, in the very beginning, the first few years, how you know, you almost can't even sleep. You're so excited. Don't let somebody bring up Christmas. (laughs) You'd be so excited to bring stuff out. You can't even speak. Your tongue is tied. I've been there, brothers and sisters. When I get some information or something, and you know, somebody out there in the world, a family or something, say something. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Don't let a Muslim walk on the bus. <laughs> OK, you're looking to just sharpen your sword. You're looking to cut somebody. I remember. I remember. But God didn't give you the word for that. He gave you the word to measure yourself. So that day that you stand before him, you can approach the throne boldly. You can approach the throne boldly, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Galatians, the sixth chapter in the ninth verse. Galatians six and nine reads, and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to read that again, because according to the text, Paul knew how exhausting the spiritual battle could be. Listen to what he says here. Galatians, the sixth chapter, the ninth verse, and it reads, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So brothers and sisters, it's only natural that the initial stimulant wears off. I understand that. But guess what? Without stamina, you can be easily derailed. Okay, brothers and sisters? Anyone who ever played sports or works out or anything, you know, listen, when you're exhausted, you start making a lot of mistakes. Once you're tired, okay? Once you're tired, you start making a lot of mistakes, brothers and sisters. And according to Paul, A lot of people get tired in doing the right thing. He's telling you, listen, you'll reap the benefit if you don't faint. If you don't get tired to, to, you know, to the fact that you just fall out and say, well, listen, man, I could have stayed in the world if nothing was going to go right. (laughs) According to Paul, people could get tired of doing the right thing. I heard a brother say that, matter of fact, a few years ago said i'm tired of always having to do the right thing i'm tired i'm like well brother you got to get in that word okay you got to get in the word i i'm not going to castigate or excoriate a brother for being tight sometimes wanting to not be the bigger man you know or whatever the case is of the bigger woman but if you put your hand if you put your hand down from the plow if you walk away from the plow you're not worth the kingdom Christ said that any man that put his hand to the plow and then put it down is not worthy. Once you put your hand to this plow, brothers and sisters, you continue to plow. until the Messiah returns. We just wanted to show you that according to Paul, you can become weary or tired in doing the right thing. Continue to do the right thing. And guess what happens if you don't if you don't faint. You will reap the benefit. What's the ultimate benefit? A crown, immortality, glorification. That's the final reward, right? Let's go to Proverbs 21 and 16. Proverbs, the 21st chapter, the 16th verse, and it reads, A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. I'm gonna read that again. Proverbs, the 21st chapter, the 16th verse, and it reads, a man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. Mm. Mm. Brothers and sisters, when the joy of newness has faded, we begin to wander. The text tells us that he who de- he who deviates from the path will have a permanent residence. <laughs> Let us tell you that permanent residence. The 16th verse in the 21st chapter of Proverb reads a man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. So you will have a permanent residence if you wander off. <laughs> right. And that's key. The word wander there, because that's what sheep do. They just they don't even know they're going off the path. They just, you know, get carried away dealing with some other stuff. So the Bible is telling you it begins with incremental compromise, little by little. And before you look up your way down the street. The truth is way over here. You're way down the street. You made a left or right, made a U-turn, went over to the right, pulled over. Path is all the way over here. I've seen brethren, right? I've seen brethren become worse after getting the truth. Become worse. Get carried off with other doctrines, looking into all these, you know, deep, what they think is deep. <laughs> I'm like, brother... Sisters, stick to the Bible, okay? before you go into these other records, because there's there's enough in the Bible that you don't know. Trying to get into all these deep doctrines, listen, stick with the doctrine of Christ, okay? Because it it appears that we want to learn a lot of deep information that's not applicable to us. He's saying, no, I gave you the Bible to apply it to yourself, not for you just to accumulate knowledge. Okay? You're supposed to learn things about you. See? And I need brothers and sisters to really, you know, really internalize that. It's cool to learn prophecy and and all that stuff, but guess what? You can get into the kingdom without knowing prophecy. You can get into the kingdom without knowing the truth, but what you can't get into the kingdom without doing is neglecting your soul. Applying the You know, the principles that the Most High is directing you to apply. See, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is to know. Wisdom is how to apply what you know. See, I can have the knowledge of a hammer, right? I can have the knowledge of a hammer. The wisdom is how do you use a hammer. (laughs) See? Do you know how to use the hammer? So we have the knowledge. Yes, Israelites are some of the smartest people, but are you applying it to yourself? Are you applying it? See, you can have the knowledge of the toolbox, but do you have the wisdom of how to utilize every tool in that toolbox? And I felt that it was, it was the perfect timing. To bring forth this lesson brothers and sisters. Because for those who have been following our church for a while. Even those who are new. I don't want you to get carried off. I know how Satan works. You start off in the beginning and that's all you're doing. That's all you're listening to. Probably listen to the broadcast or listen to something biblical. Every single day. While you're going to sleep. While you're at work. All of that, and then you slowly began to wander off and turn back into who you were before. In fact, the Bible tells you, you become worse if you go back into the world. You will become worse. If you go back to your own vomit as a dog, you will become worse. And according to Proverbs 21 and 16, if you wander off, let us read it. Proverbs twenty-one and sixteen reads, A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. So it's telling you, brothers and sisters, once somebody wanders off, they don't come back. <laughs> okay, they they don't come back. And I heard people say, Well, you know, I just gotta go out there, and get this money. I got the truth. I know the truth, so I'll never forget about the Sabbath and all that. I'll never forget about Christmas. I just got, to you know, I got dreams. I got aspirations, things that I want to do. If you wander out of this path, you're not coming back. It's clear. That's what the Most High said. That's not what Brother Sid said. That's not what the Commandment Keeper said. The Bible says if you wander off this path, you're going to hell. Let's go to Jeremiah. The second chapter, the nineteenth verse, we'll jump from the nineteenth verse to the twenty first verse. Here it is Jeremiah two and nineteen and it reads Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee. Sayeth the Lord God of hosts. Brothers and sisters. Backsliding is an evil. Bitter thing. And it has awful consequences. Are you seeing this? Because when you're backslidden. You are one of the most dangerous people on earth. You're a walking time bomb. I'm going to read that again. In Jeremiah. The second chapter. The 19th verse. And it reads. Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. No, therefore, and see that it is a evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that thy fear is not in thee, excuse me, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. Jump to verse 21, and it reads, yet I have planted thee a noble vine, holy, a right seed, How then art thou turned into the degenerate plant of the strange vine unto me? So look at this clear, brothers and sisters, because the Bible He's saying, listen, I gave you everything you needed. (laughs) Okay? I gave you Christ. (laughs) I fed you. I planted the seed in you. Right? How do you turn to this degenerate, strange vine? This dead plant. See, when God has a controversy with a backslider, it affects everyone around him. I'm going to read it again. Verse 21 reads, Yet I have planted thee a noble vine, holy, a right seed. How then art thou turned into a degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? He's speaking to Israel here. He's saying, Listen, I planted you in righteousness. I gave you the right seed. How did you become this? How did you become this? I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, when you backslide, you are one of the most dangerous people on earth. How do we know? Go read Jonah. (laughs) What happened when Jonah, Jonah knew the most high, but he did what? He decided to, he decided not to capitulate. He decided to neglect the most high. And what happened? He got on a boat and everyone on the boat was getting ready to die. (laughs) Why? For one man, they throw him overboard and the waters, you know, the waters quell, right? To show you, if you go against God, especially after knowing the truth, everyone around you is going down. You are dangerous. So I tell sisters, Stay away from men who don't serve God, okay? Stay away from men, sisters, who don't serve God because he's going to take you down. You're going down with him. You'll lose five, six, seven, eight years off your life. Kids come out of this stuff and all that. Why? Because you're with a man who don't pursue the most high God. Brothers, same thing. Same thing. Stay away from sisters who are not looking to be, you know, Righteous, according to the Bible. Right. Stay away from that. Why? Because you will lose five, ten years off your life, hundreds of thousands of dollars off out of your wallet. Right. Okay, Probably have children and all that. (laughs) Why? Because you decided to pursue a sister or a brother who didn't keep God first. See, there's nothing to talk about. Listen, uh, listen. <laughs> now, a person may be a Christian or whatever. I believe, you know, if, if you're pursuing somebody out there, uh, it's going to be probably pretty next to impossible to find somebody who knows the truth as you do. But if a person believe in the Bible, then at least we can start there. But if you're a Muslim or, or a Buddhist or something like that, we don't have anything to talk about. You're not even in the right book. At least if you were in the right book, (laughs) then well, okay, maybe we can, you know, maybe we can, we can learn some things together. But if you're following another God, I don't care how fine somebody think they are, sisters. I don't care how cute he think he is. Okay. There's going to be a lot of cute people in hell. Let's go to Proverbs, the 14th chapter, the 14th verse, and it reads, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. Brothers and sisters, this particular text illuminates the progress of backsliding. According to the text, backsliding begins inwardly, long before the outward evidence are seen. I'm going to read this again. Proverbs 14 and 14 reads, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. So the backslider is the topic of the text. He has lost his first love and subsequently begins to gradually distance himself from his duty. See, backsliding begins unexpectedly. Like a dangerous disease, those who have retreated from the battle have joined the enemy. It's clear, brothers and sisters, the backslider is filled with his own ways. See, now your opinion is what matters most. Your desires is what matters most. See, it's easy to follow the Most High until He say no. <laughs> What happens when he says no? Hmm? See, if you can't hear the answer no without throwing a temper tantrum, you're really not following the most high. You're just running around making noise. Okay? What happens when he says no? No. Let's go to second Peter brothers and sisters, we're going to second Peter, the second chapter, the 20th through the 22nd verse and it reads for, if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and savior Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter in is worse than them at the beginning. For it, for it had been better for them to not have known the way of righteousness, than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb: the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Mm. Brothers and sisters, if you forsake the way of righteousness, you deny the master who bought you. A relapse (laughs) is on the way, brothers and sisters, a relapse is ever more dangerous than the first sickness. Let me read that again. Listen to this closely. Second Peter, the second chapter, the 20th verse, and it reads for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. You see that brothers and sisters? So it's telling you the relapse is ever more dangerous than the first sickness. The more you know, the more severe you will be judged. Brothers and sisters, follow us to 1 Timothy 1 and 18. We're going to read 18 and 19. 1 Timothy, the first chapter, the 18th and 19th verse, and they read, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith in a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning the faith, have made shipwreck. So it's key here. Paul is telling Timothy, brothers and sisters, he's telling them to listen, keep the charge, okay, that you may be able to fight a good war, because this is war. And it's telling you those who walked away from this faith their life has become shipwreck. See, so Paul is doing what? He's warning Timothy about the danger of wandering from the narrow path. I'm going to read that again. First Timothy 1 and 18. We'll read 18 and 19, and it reads, This charge I commit unto thee, Son, Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou, by, that thou by them mightest war against warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. So the, uh, the text is clear. He's telling you the information that you find in his Bible, if you apply it, you will be able to fight a good war. It's, it's not coincidence he's using that Type of uh, that type of terminology That thou mightest War a good warfare this is War brothers and sisters this is Spiritual warfare so so War for your soul See and if you Neglect it if you become Lackadaisical then you deserve Whatever you get Because a lot of God's people Will not become lackadaisical Okay they will Continue to be diligent and fervent when it when it concerns their soul, the text is giving you a, a a warning about wandering from the narrow path. It told you that the brothers who wandered from the path became shipwreck. I've seen it. I know, brethren, who walked away from this faith, and I mean, life just fell apart. The life just fell apart. Why not because anything that we're doing or not because they're not with us or anything like that. But when you walk away from truth. That the most high was so merciful, he allowed you to have this truth. Right. And then you disregard that you walk away from that. What do you think is going to happen? You think you could just walk away from this? unscathed you have to read the Bible again you can't walk away from this unscathed it's just like how they are in those uh you know the gang members right what do they say uh blood in blood out the only way out of this is <laughs> death <laughs> It's that's essentially the same thing here the only way out of this is Is to get beat up by the Most High, because you should have made that. You should have counted the cost of being a disciple before you were baptized. You should have counted the cost of being a disciple before you made that decision. Because once the decision is made, once the covenant has been made, the Most High will hold you to it. Go back to the Torah. Where we signed that contract. Moses came to us and read us the covenant. Sprinkled the blood to sign the covenant. And we said anything in that covenant we will do. We just accepted it with really not even understanding the consequences. The ramifications. Even the rewards. And the most high lit us up like a Christmas tree. So you better know the cost Of discipleship. Let's go to Second Timothy, the second chapter, the fourth verse. Second Timothy two and four reads No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Look at that verbiage again. Military. Right. Look at the verbiage. Second Timothy two and four reads, no man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. Now, we have a lot of brothers and sisters from the military that follow our broadcast, our church. Right. You would know that a soldier must be single minded. Why? Because they have a job to do. So they don't concern themselves with non-military matters. The text is telling you becoming deeply entangled in civilian pursuits. Pursuits is the precursor of truancy. See, he's telling you, listen, don't get entangled. And that's a good word. Entangled, because that's what happens. (laughs) You start getting pulled in all these different ways because you got out of line. You walked away from what was really important, and now you're tangled. Now you're shackled. Now you're being pulled in all these different directions. He's saying, listen, you have to walk away from the affairs of this life. This has to be your number one concern. Anything else, (laughs) okay, is ancillary. But your primary concern is the most high, is your spiritual growth. Because why? If you continue to grow, the most high will utilize you. He will utilize you, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Luke. Let's go to Luke 14 and 16. Okay. We're going to read 16 and 17. Luke 14 and 16 reads, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. And his servant at supper time, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. So, according to the text, brothers and sisters, it's telling you that a certain man, he orchestrated or he constructed a great feast, right? It sent invitations to people. So, this is what we're seeing here, right? I'm going to read those two scriptures again. Luke 14 and 16 reads Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. I'm going to jump to verse 19. Verse 19 reads, And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excuse. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So here it is. We're seeing excuses, brothers and sisters. We're seeing excuses. In the 19th verse, one brother said, listen, I, I just bought some oxen. I need to make sure that they're good workers. The next brother said, well, listen, I just, I, I got married. So I, you know, I need to go Attend to that. Right. So here it is, we're seeing excuses. <laughs> it's telling you the Bible's telling you excuse making is very old and it's common. Look at what t- verse twenty four says. Verse twenty four reads, For I say unto you that none of the none of those men which were bidden shall taste my supper. See, the Bible is littered with excuse makers. Jump to verse 26, brothers and sisters. Verse 26 reads If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yet in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doeth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first? and counteth the cost, whether he whether he have sufficient to fix it, finish it. Less happily after he have laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Now, this is key, brothers and sisters, because what we saw, the first excuse was made regarding possessions, right? And then the second excuse was made in the realm of of business or or livelihood. And then you had the the third excuse made, which was family or, or relationships. So we already had We had excuses regarding property, excuses regarding business, and excuses concerning family. These are the three things, even to this day, that people use for an excuse to compromise what God said. Verse 28 told us, I'll read it. For which of you, excuse me, Luke 14 and 28 reads, for which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? So the text tells us you can't build a building without examining the cost. You can't go to war without examining the cost. See, this is what you have to be willing to relinquish, this is what you must be willing to let go. Everything. The Most High doesn't want to hear the excuses. He doesn't want to hear it. There was many excuses even in biblical times, in biblical days, and it hasn't changed, brothers and sisters. It really has not changed. You're either going to do it or you're not. The Bible tells you you must hate mother, father. Son, daughter, brethren. And that word hate, brothers and sisters, is not how we think hate is. That scripture is telling you to love less. You have to love your mother less. You have to love your wife less. You must love your husband and children less than you love the Messiah. And if you don't do that, you're unworthy. Because why? He gave you that wife, He gave you that husband, He gave you those children. And now you use them as an idol. Anything you build or, excuse me, bend your life around is an idol. Anything. See, that's why it's called bowing down. (laughs) If you bend your life around it, that is an idol. The only thing that you should be bending your life around is the most high. Okay? Not anything or anyone else. Anything else is an idol. Ezekiel told us about idols in the heart. See, back then the idol was, you know, it was a graven image. Now the idols are in our hearts. They're called idols of the heart. It was they're they're hidden idols. Things in which we would go against God for. Let's go to Hebrews 10 and 28. We'll read the, the excuse me. Hebrews 10 and 38. We'll read the 38th verse in the 39th. Hebrews 10 and 38 reads. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Brothers and sisters, according to the text, their are contingencies to his approval. If you look at it closely, the apostle urges the importance of perseverance. Listen to it. Hebrews 10 and 38 reads, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall not have pleasure in him. So it's clear that those who renounce their duty will incur divine displeasure. All that do not reach home, who set out for it, (laughs) you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. It's clear, brothers and sisters, everyone who, who jumps on this path does not finish. It's clear. How do we know? Let us read that again. Hebrews 10 and 38 reads, now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So all do not reach home who set out for it, brothers and sisters. He said, if any man draw back, giving you an indication that some would draw back, brothers and sisters. Every flower in spring is not fruit in autumn. Okay. It's not. Of course, we would love for it to be, but every seed doesn't grow, brothers and sisters. That's why you put a plethora of seeds down, because you're not sure which one is gonna sprout. Everyone is not gonna make it, brothers and sisters. This path is it's a long path. And you have to be spiritually disciplined, spiritually hungry in order to make it. Let's go to Ecclesiastes five and five. Ecclesiastes the fifth chapter the fifth verse and it reads Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou than that thou shalt vow and not pay I'm going to read that again. Ecclesiasticus 5 and 5 reads Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. So according to the text, if you're going to be his disciple, you've got to understand the cost, okay? Unless, unless you're willing to pay the full price he demands, you cannot be his disciple. It's clear. That's fine. There's many other brothers out there. There's many other sisters out there who will be willing to give it all. No more playing with it. I This fence thing, hanging out on the fence, guess what I found? I found that the fence is on Satan's property. Satan owns the fence that you're sitting on. See, so you're either going to come all the way over and submit yourself entirely to the most high. Not only, you know, submit yourself entirely to his will, or you're going to be pulled off and dragged away by the enemy. I'm going to read this again, B. Because it's it's some deep information here. It's Ecclesiastes, uh, Ecclesiastes 5 and 5 And it reads Better is it that thou shouldest not vow Than that thou shouldest vow and not pay So the Bible tells you To vow without thought and consideration Will have catastrophic ramifications If you make a vow unto the Most High If you make a promise If you come into covenant with the Most High And you try to pull away midstream. There's going to be severe consequences. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 20 verse 25. Proverbs 20 and 25 reads, it is a snare to the man who devoureth that which is holy and after vows to make inquiry. Look at that again, brothers and sisters. It is a snare to the man who devoureth that which is holy and after vows to make inquiry. This is telling you, brothers and sisters, this is a proverb that warns you to pay the full cost of commitment, reneging on a commitment to the most high will prove cataclysmic. Look at it again, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 20 and 25 reads, it is a snare to the man who devours that which is holy. And after vows to make inquiry, so what is this talking about? It's telling you that we make commitments and then inquire about the commitment subsequent to that. (laughs) See, you said, "Hold on, you got involved with me here, and now all of a sudden you want to do, you know, you want to look around and do all this checking out of what the commitment is." You should have did that before you committed to me, buddy. It's just like getting a car, uh, you know, sign a new lease. W- what do we do? We see the car we want. You know, we get it. We don't know what the percentage is. We don't know the interest rate. We, we don't know none of that. We, But we already signed off for the car. <laughs> the Bible is saying, listen, that principle there, you find out before you make a commitment. You find out before you make a commitment. Before you just jump in. Feet first, you know, head first. We're going to go to our final scripture. It's Psalms, the 66th chapter, the 13th and 14th verses. Psalms 66 and 13 reads, I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth. have spoken when I was in trouble brothers and sisters we're at psalms 66 13 and 14 the sixty-sixth chapter the 13th and 14th verse and it reads i will go into thy house with burnt offerings i will pay thee my vows which my lips have uttered and my mouth have spoken when i was in trouble Look at this again, brothers and sisters, because the psalmist is speaking on something that many of us have done. Psalm 66 and 13 reads, I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth have spoken when I was in trouble. So it's clear, brothers and sisters, the psalmist is telling us. We make many promises in the times of distress and then forget all about it when the crisis has passed. And the text is telling you the very commitment you made when you needed deliverance is what you're obligated to. Okay. You should have never made the obligation. You should have never gave the vow. See, because that means you're disingenuous. You were disingenuous. You just needed assistance or deliverance out of your particular state and that's what I found we look at Christ as a savior but not as Lord so anytime you need him to save you or deliver you yeah then you give him your attention but when it becomes time to be Lord or owner or master you throw him in the trunk like a spare tire and pull him out again when you need him And the scriptures is talking about just that. Many times, in times of distress and trouble, we say a myriad of things trying to get our way. And as soon as you deliver, as soon as you deliver, you forget it. You either forget it or you ignore it. So according to the touch, brothers and sisters, you have to fulfill your vows unto the most high. It doesn't matter when you made the vow in time of distress or whatever the case is. If you made that vow unto the most high, guess what? You to fulfill that obligation will be apropos. Today's lesson, brothers and sisters, is titled Spiritual Hunger. The most high led us to put this lesson together, understanding that many people are in lieu. Right? We've been there maybe not as long as you know some people, but after a while, I personally can attest to you have to find another source of stimulation within the Bible. You have to. If you let that first love go. You're susceptible to fall. You're susceptible to being destroyed. Brothers and sisters. So you have to have some intestinal fortitude. Okay. You have to find something else within you. That can help keep you stimulated and on this path. It's just like in a regular relationship, that honeymoon period. When that newness wears off, <laughs> you better have a plan. Okay? The title of today's lesson, Spiritual Hunger. We want to say, Quam yashirala," sin no more.